0: Welcome to the first episode of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real-talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories. We live the moments that shaped us and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Musket, and in today's episode, we'll be talking about one woman's challenge to create a happiness-centered work life not only for herself, but also for employees on the front line of customer service. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. She's a self-confessed complaints enthusiast, a regular contributor on LinkedIn, known for putting the social in social media. Her career spans notable appointments, including head of CX at property startup Purple Bricks, and she's now the better half of CX Consultancy Think Wow, which she co-founded with her husband and father of their two children earlier this year. Please welcome to the show, my CX sister, Rebecca Brown. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Claire. How are you? Great, thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited.
0: Uh, Welcome to all the women in CX audience listening along with us today. So given your introduction, I think the first question that's going to be on everybody's mind is, given that not many women would consider working with their partner, how did that come about? And what is the secret to balancing work, family, and home life?
1: <laughs> we'll let you know when, uh, when we figure it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, I guess it's quite an interesting story, really. Um, I was two days away from giving birth to my second child, Molly, um, and the company I was working for went into administration. So I was sort of plunged into a bit of a no-man's land, um, had a new baby, full of hormones, (laughs) trying to kind of get everything to the point where it it balanced and made sense. Um, And we'd just literally relocated down to the South Coast. So I thought, well, I'll give myself maybe three months with my baby, and then I'll look for a new role. Um, And that's what I did. And I started looking, and immediately, it became really obvious to me that actually, there weren't really any CX jobs on the South Coast um compared to somewhere like Birmingham where I was living before, you would maybe see one or two new vacancies every couple of months. Um, so at that point I thought, okay, this is this is going to be a tough job hunt. Um, and all of a sudden everybody started saying to me, launch your own company. Um, and that sounded great. I thought, yeah, that that that's a really, really lovely idea, but um it's going to take some guts and I, I really wasn't sure I had the guts if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. So I carried on applying for jobs. And eventually got to the point where um, I found a company that I thought, but this, this company actually was really good. Um, so much so that they also had a sales director position available. And I said to Dan, this really sounds like a great company, I think you'd love it i think you'd be great at the job and actually i'd I'd quite like working alongside you because i know how much you love the customer i know how your mind works and the fact that you're actually open to hearing constructive criticism from other executives and actually that that to me is what i was kind of missing and so we both applied for this company and we both got through to a recruitment assessment day and went to this um, sort of pub effectively for this recruitment assessment day um and there were about 30 people there uh, some for the sales director role some for the the head of customer experience uh, and some for um i think it was a, a hr role and it was really weird being in an assessment center that had multiple roles that were being applied for but actually what they did was really good they got you into groups with the other people and saw how you worked with them um, and it was a really fun day but i was Gobsmacked at the type of people that they had coming to the sales director interview. Um, they all came across incredibly pushy mm-hmm. and had sales experience, but not necessarily any tactical experience. Um, mm-hmm. So it it sort of struck me that actually Dan was head and shoulders above the, the competition there. Um, and when it came to presenting back the approach and the, the kind of six-month six strategy. He was so keen to get across that it's all about listening to your customers, understanding their needs and that you can't even begin to build a sales strategy until you understand what your customers Mm. are after. Um, So we both walked out feeling really good about it, thinking, you know what, we rocked it. It was a really good day. We're going to get the jobs. Um, Mm. And the next day Dan was turned down Mm. Um, and I was, I was absolutely gobsmacked because I'd seen the competition and it wasn't even just that it would have been a, a bit of a close competition, but I thought Dan would be better. He was the only person who had approached it with the values that I really prioritise, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And to me, that said, this is not the company for me, no matter how great they sound, if they aren't looking for the kind of values in a sales leader that Dan demonstrated, I don't want to work for a company like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized actually, I don't really want to work for a company that dictates the values because they won't ever really be quite what I want. So um, we had a chat and we talked about the fact that we both felt quite excited about working with each other um, and decided, actually, let's just do it. Um, And Mm -hmm. I think Dan coming on board to think, wow, gave me the confidence I needed to just take that leap. Um, And that was where it all began. So yeah, long story,
0: but <laughs> it's a great, it's a great story. Um, You know, if, if you're, uh, if it really crystallized for you, how important your personal values are and how they line up with whoever you work with and for yeah. are fundamental to your happiness at work, then, you know, if, if you've, you've been brave enough to step out and say, I can't find any companies right now that match that, I'm going to start my own. I think you know that's an incredible, incredible bravery that you showed. Thank you. So, yeah (laughs) um, so so yeah so kind of back to the the beginning part of your story about um the corporate days yeah actually finding that balance and happiness that you were searching for wasn't that easy right yeah Um, given the environments that you worked in i just wanted to ask what the main sources of frustration you found as a woman in the workplace before starting your own company and (laughs) getting to set your own values
1: yeah, and I think that's a really great question, Claire, because there are so many different things that face women in the workplace. Um, I think one of the biggest hurdles for me early on in my career was a really strong feeling of imposter syndrome. Mm. Um, I felt like whenever I was given a promotion, I was terrified that I wouldn't be able to do the job. Um, and, you know, I guess that <laughs> it, it took other people saying to me, look, these interviewers know what they're looking for. They've obviously seen, what, what they're looking for in you. So you need to just go for it um, and not really worry so much. And it was really only in the last sort of, well, actually since I became a mum, I think that um, mm. my confidence level soared and I started to, I guess, see what other people had seen in me earlier on in my career. Um, but certainly as a younger woman, I, I went for the promotions. I wasn't shy in saying, look, I really want this extra responsibility. But whenever I got them, <laughs> I always felt like, Potentially, I was just waiting to be found out. Um, and what if they what if they looked too closely and realised they'd made a mistake in hiring? So that that definitely held me back. Um, I think the the other side of it is just the the gender pay gap um, and the sense of injustice that I felt um, being on the wrong side of that gender pay gap. Um, And that that occurred very early on in my career, Um, you know, I I was working for a company that was a fantastic company, um, female-owned as well. Um, And I was proud to work there. I loved my job. I loved my colleagues. um, But I had recently been promoted uh, and felt that the job I'd walked into was far more than the salary I was was being paid for I'd got I got a, a, a pay rise when i had been promoted but essentially it was not really a, a job level increased pay rise it was mm. it was more of a you've done a great job in the last year type of pay rise mm. and so I asked for more and I was told you know really respect you asking don't you know, nothing wrong with that but unfortunately the pot's empty the the site you're working on that's the budget that's what's been agreed with the client there is no more money sorry Um, three months later, we moved to Birmingham and the company moved me to manage one of their other offices in Birmingham, which was far smaller. It had two employees. (laughs) Um, And at that point, um, I became aware that the person they'd hired to replace me a man who was brought in from outside the business so had never worked with anyone in the business didn't know how we worked didn't know our values yet had effectively just interviewed really well but was yet to prove himself Mm. was being paid five grand more than i was for the same role in the same business that i'd been told that the pot was empty for um and that just did not sit well with me at all it really um it well i felt it undervalued my achievements um And ultimately I felt like I'd been lied to because it was only three months previously that I'd asked the same question and been told, absolutely not. There's no way. Um, so yeah, I'd moved and I felt that the office I was in was much smaller, didn't really give me the challenges that I wanted on a day-to-day basis anymore. And with that knowledge that I was being potentially undervalued, I left. Mm Um, and, that was generally my gut instinct in any role, that I found out I was ba- being paid significantly less than my counterparts. So I think it's quite difficult to chase those promotions and to really get um, the progress in your career you want if you feel like you have to quit every time you find out that that things really aren't as fair as they should be. Um, so over time, I, I sort of sucked it up a bit more, um, learned to live with it a bit more and just, accepted the fact I'd probably get to my pay rise quicker if I stayed put um, and worked hard and just proved myself. But it, it's always been something in most of the jobs that I've been in that I've become aware of. Um, and I don't think much is changing there. You know, the, the push to shine a light on the companies that have a large pen, gender pay gap so far hasn't really, it hasn't resulted in the the naming and shaming that I was hoping it might do. And, you know, I'm not, not about shaming people, but I think without the proper calls to action these companies are, are unlikely to take the action they need to start increasing either the women's pay in the roles that are the same as the, the gents or to you know just hire more women in um so yeah i go. I guess those are the biggest biggest challenges so far i've faced
0: yeah there's some interesting things that you said there if we can just pause yeah, it of course and <laughs> <see
1: a thing. laughs> if i can let <laughs> you get a word in
0: <laughs> oh no, no 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 this is this is, this is about you um but yeah I I just think one of the things that you, you pointed out is you know the guy that came for the same job that you'd been doing and being paid more than you mm-hmm. it feels like there's always an automatic assumption that men are going to be able to do the job whereas women have to prove themselves that they can do the job do, do you mm-hmm. do you feel that that's been reflected in, in your career because I know for me personally that there's been times I've walked into a room um, you know especially in a male-dominated environment and the expectation of what I was going to bring in terms of value was significantly lower than than you know a guy that walks in on the same team as me but because he's male they automatically assume he's going to and being a very feminine woman it's definitely counted against me on first impressions a few times. <laughs> um, yeah. What are your thoughts on that? It's,
1: it's a really interesting question isn't it and I guess we'll never have A definitive answer as to what might cause that, and whether it's partially that sort of imposter syndrome, and maybe when I walk into a room, I do so with less authority, um, and therefore that—that's maybe why I don't command that same respect. I don't (laughs) know. I actually have a theory that when I go for an interview or when I go for a meeting, I wear my glasses. Um, because actually they make me look a bit more sensible make me look a little <laughs> bit more intellectual and as insane as that is over the years i've had enough interviews that i've kind of tested it out so some that i haven't worn my glasses to and some that i have and actually every single one i've worn my glasses to i've actually ended up getting the job for um so
0: i think there, there certainly is a degree of it um
1: but you yeah. i know
0: your imposter syndrome would be telling you that your lucky glasses. <laughs> that's it, yeah, these are
1: my glasses. Do not break my lucky glasses. Everything depends on them.
0: <laughs> Sorry, um, carry on.
1: But I, I think, you know, whether that's then in the back of my mind, I've actually got a bit more confidence walking in and I'm, I'm more relaxed to be myself and therefore I'm taken more seriously, I don't know. I have had roles where the people I've worked alongside have openly said they feel that having a woman in the in the business makes it a better place, makes it a a more enjoyable place to work, and that actually, if all things were fair and equal, women would would rule the world. Mm-hmm. But then, actually, their actions don't necessarily back up, up what they're saying. So they're they're quite happy to to say the words, and and I'm sure they mean them. Um, but maybe they don't think about how they work and how they interact with you after that point. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's an interesting concept isn't it um and I think it's I think it's a shame in this day and age uh you know I, I've seen so many incredibly powerful insightful women sharing their knowledge with other people um, and it, it just shouldn't come down to gender you know it shouldn't be a question of this woman is better or this man is better it should just be who's the right person to do right the job mm-hmm. um, and you know I think you know it could it could swing back the, the wrong way I guess I, I think the push to have more women on the board is essential. I really do provide another right woman. Um, And I wouldn't ever say promote a woman just because she's a woman. I would say she's got to still have the skill set, she's still got to have the experience. But when you look at the FTSE 100, I think there's a stat, I can't remember the exact name, it's either Dave or John, um, but there are more male CEOs called Dave or John than there are female CEOs in the FTSE 100. And that to me is insane because there aren't that, that much fewer great women out there to justify
0: that split. So yeah, I think it needs
1: to be looked at definitely. Yeah. Well, we are fifty
0: percent of the population, right? So
1: absolutely, <laughs> more, more than fifty percent in some cities. So, you know. I think um, it's something like I, I think Leicester is something like eighty percent with females. So you know, if that's the case, then where are all the CEOs? Yeah.
0: Where are all the women on boards? Um, And also back to another point I think we must return to is this notion of imposter syndrome. Mm. And I absolutely agree with you that women experience that sense of not being good enough or doubting their own abilities far more than men. And it's, again, statistically proven. I don't have the number to hand. Um, And for me, I think it, it kind of begins quite early on in our womanhood, where as young women coming up, we tend to experience an ex- um, a, a, an opinion of other women in business not being like us. And I know in my own experience, coming across women who didn't like me and made me feel less than because it was quite a competitive yeah. um, scenario, which, you know, you and I agree is not the way ahead. Mm-hmm. But, but the question I had for you was, what was it about becoming a mother that, changed that for you and gave you confidence
1: that's a really good question um i don't think that i could necessarily say it was one thing um i think i'd wanted to be a mother for as long as i could remember um about the age of 20 i I sat down and thought i've always assumed i'm going to be a mum but i've never really thought about that level of responsibility maybe i should maybe i should do that before i decide if i'm going to have kids um and so I thought really hard about it. And I thought about the things that would change in my life and the things I wouldn't be able to do anymore. Um, and I decided, no, I, I want it. I want it more than anything. And it changed my priorities in life. Before I decided that, I'd wanted to train to be a barrister. Um, and actually, it got to the point where I was just acutely aware that to be a successful barrister, you'd be working 60, 70-hour weeks every single week. And at the age of 20, I knew I wanted a family. So I, I thought, you know what, That's that's not the career for me um and then it it was really hard to have a family um dan and i got married in 2011 we started trying for a baby in 2013 um and we had something called a molar pregnancy um as our first experience of of pregnancy um which is essentially where there isn't a baby it's just a mass of cells that grow instead um but you get all of the symptoms you would normally get from a pregnancy. we then found out that there wasn't the baby, and um, I had to have surgery to remove the molar pregnancy, um, and it really floored me. Um, we then tried for another three years, had one more miscarriage, um, and eventually Chloe came along, and it was just the most incredible feeling—just getting getting that kind of motherhood that I'd always dreamed about. And it put so much in perspective for me. Um, it was like I'd finally become what I'd always wanted to be, and nothing else really mattered nearly as much. Um, and I think that just gave me the confidence to be myself more and to not really care about other people's thoughts and feelings because as far as I'm concerned now, as long as I'm doing a good job as a mum, that's pretty much my priority. So I think through that I've become a more confident leader, a more confident woman. Um, I can apply empathy a lot a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, the, the loving feeling is back in me. <laughs> um, and talking to people who are struggling know i've struggled too so i think it helps me to be able to empathize with any situation that that someone might be in and to understand as well that you just don't know what situation someone's in you know while we were going through all of that we didn't talk about it you know to the outside world we were a happy couple having the best time of our lives um so i think all of that comes together to just make me a more confident professional um a more caring professional and, and actually to to recognise that the priorities in life are not chasing down the job titles, that the priorities are about being happy, they're about being fulfilled. And I think that was another really big driver for us starting our own business was that, you know, we, we want that work-life balance. We're not we're not afraid to work for it. Um, but we also want to work for an employer who really gets that family is, is absolutely our priority. You know, the kids come first at all times.
0: So. Yeah, and thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, I can't imagine how difficult that must have been and the resilience that you must have had to have found within yourself to just keep going and keep pursuing what you really wanted. So, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely sure, even though it was a, a terrible experience, um, your journey to motherhood absolutely has shaped the incredible woman that you are today. Thank you. I think it's a very well deserved compliment. Um, I just keep picking up all the way through there, your, your sense of values and your sense mm. of purpose and that absolute razor sharp clarity about, you know, family is the most important thing to you. Um, and the values that you hold are absolutely driving your direction, which leads me on, I guess, to my next question, which um, I think comes back to that, that desire for authenticity. You said you needed that in your career in order to feel happy. Yeah. Yeah. Authentic leadership is absolutely one of the most in-demand behaviours that Mm. recruiters and companies look for in the marketplace. But it's still a really tricky path to tread, isn't it? Where being true to yourself and risking that judgment, especially when you've got a bit of imposter syndrome, (laughs) being able to, to fully be and in the presence of others and in the presence of others in a work context. So, I've really been enjoying following you on social media and seeing just how much, you know, and how, how congruent that set of values, you know, family first, the importance of um, your relationship with Dan as your husband, as well as co-founder. I saw your anniversary post yesterday, (laughs) Um, but I'm sure there must've been some downsides to being so vocal in social media so just so a woman that's become very visible what have some of the challenges been in in that
1: yeah I think I think a lot of it is the, the perception of professionalism isn't it um, and the fact that you're taught all the way through corporate working life that to be a successful leader you've got to leave your personal life at the door and that you shouldn't really bring anything of yourself to work um, and for the first few years of my, my working life, that was how I was. I, you know, I wasn't friends with my team. I was very shut off. <laughs> I was very much kind of you will do your work and that's the way it will work. And actually, I, I've learned over the years that it just doesn't work. You know, you've got to care about your team as individuals. You've got to understand them. You've got to know them, um, and that if you support your team to also feel like they can be themselves and they can be authentic in the workplace, you get so much more productivity. You get a happier workforce, and you get happier customers as a result of that. So, um, I think that's something that I've gradually shifted away from. But even so, didn't fully leave behind until I became self-employed um, and stopped being accountable to other people. Um, and that's been a really fun journey for me to just be able to say, like, you know what, I, I want to work with clients who share my values. I want to work mm-hmm. with clients who already love their customers, but maybe just don't know how to how to make things the best they can for them. And if they disagree with me on racial equality, if they disagree with me on homophobia, I don't really want to work with them because that's not the kind of company I want to make better. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really nice to finally have that say, and to know that I can just be vocal. Um, and it might mean I have some quieter months for, for business. That's absolutely a risk I'm happy to take. Um, and you know, that's that's quite a nice freedom, really. I'm sure mm, you've yeah. probably probably found the same with your your self employed journey. <laughs>
0: I totally agree. One um, of the main benefits I think of leaving corporate is being able to choose who you work with and I'm the same as you my set of values drives everything that I do and if they get stepped on I I guess I'm never going to be as productive or as happy and now I'm a consultant and I work with clients you know having that alignment on philosophy is not only really important for a productive relationship but actually it inspires how we work together and the results that we get and the the ideas that we get to because it's already from a starting point of positivity I I can't imagine ever having to work with a client that I I, I didn't like it because I know myself it just wouldn't work you need to be motivated yeah yeah, exactly um but but in the social media sense being yourself being very open about it um have you come across any negative behavior from people with, with, with their reactions to your openness or your reactions to your very clear set of values and your outspokenness about them
1: i think as a whole um social media has actually been very supportive um and i've been i've been overwhelmed with the level of support i've I've received personally and that i've seen out there for others over the last couple of weeks um you know it's a really kind nurturing place to be um i think there will always be trolls out there um who take exception to i mean sometimes they just take exception to other people being happy i think <laughs> but, um you know there, there will occasionally be something that i say that that strikes against someone um without necessarily meaning to um or you know occasionally it, it will actually be aimed at at a particular negative mindset Um, and I have had some comments. I think I've learned to try and leave them on LinkedIn, which is not as easy as, as it sounds. Um, I'm quite, I am quite a sensitive person, Um, you know, working in the world of complaint handling for as long as I have, I've definitely developed a much thicker skin um, and I've developed the ability to understand that quite often it's not me, it's them. Um, So that helps but yeah when you get when you get a nasty comment um and all you're trying to do is is to talk about something interesting i just think there's there's a lot more room for people to share their views in a respectful way um and i think that would always be my response is well let's let's talk about this but let's try and let's just try and calm it down a little bit first because i want to hear your view i just don't want to be called names while you're at it <laughs>
0: um, yeah. yeah i guess in my experience it's been less about over criticism to post it's more the covert sliding into my dms and guys you know yeah saying hey pretty uh-huh.
1: yeah that happens <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: like not you know but not one not making a connection with me because they're interested in what I have to say yeah but connecting with me because they think that perhaps it's some kind of dating site I I, I always wonder though do they ever think it would actually pay off
1: (laughs) I mean it must work for some of them otherwise why keep going um Mm -hmm. you know yeah absolutely and I think you know since I've become more vocal on LinkedIn that's absolutely escalated um I probably get between one and two posts, uh, messages a day, mm-hmm. just just hitting on me. Um, yeah, I even got it. I even got some after posting the anniversary post yesterday. And you just, oh, I've God. literally <laughs> just posted how happy I am with my husband. What are you trying to achieve? Um, and it's bizarre. There's no place for it on a professional platform. Yeah. And I feel really strongly about that. So, yeah. um, you know, I've called that out in the past. I'll continue to call it out again. Um, I'm not about naming and shaming. I don't. I don't want to bring the trolls down on these people. Mm-hmm. But they need to understand that behaviour is not okay.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. But I really love being a part of, I guess, of our LinkedIn girl tribe now. Yeah, when we see it, we call it out. We let each other know that it's going on, and we jump to the defense of other women who are being attacked or uh, experiencing blatant sexism on their posts. I I think it's so much power in women supporting other women on social media that the only way we're going to get through this is by racing to each other's defense in those situations absolutely Um, yeah
1: Yeah. i couldn't i couldn't agree more and that's part of the support that i'm that i'm kind of talking about when i say the last couple of weeks have just been incredible we've seen so many women suffer at the hands of awful comments and you know knowing that we've got that network there to say look god i feel you. that's just awful that's not okay it makes it so much easier and it's just a lovely place to be so i feel really proud um to, to know so many incredible women, um, mm. and you know that that number's growing all the time, so it's quite exciting, really, getting to, to meet them all.
0: It is indeed. It is indeed. Um, so, just conscious of the time, I know you've got a client meeting to go to. Um, so, there's so much more we could have talked about. I'm probably gonna <laughs> have to get you back on to actually talk about the customer experience stuff another time. Um, but I just like to say thanks very much for being here today, Rebecca, and sharing your, yourself so authentically. It's a real positive message to talk about. You know, living your values, not just talking about them, really living them, and seeing someone who's actually built their life around their values and is absolutely smashing it. I'm sure it's going to be a very inspirational thing for the listeners um, of the Women in CX podcast. So, yeah, I, you're making me think you can really have it all. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> thank, thank you so much for having me. It's been been wonderful talking to you.
0: I really, really enjoyed it. There is uh, Also, thanks to Joachim Thorne and Effectly for sponsoring the podcast production today and supporting us, Women in CX. Mm. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Musket. If you enjoyed the show and want to know more, please check out womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn. Or please leave us a review on iTunes, SoundCloud or Spotify. Join us again next week when we'll be talking about overcoming adversity to succeed in CX.